Unofficial Controller Podcast, your weekly gaming podcast, episode 201, the M. Dickey interview, Wrestling Empire, with me, George, in this week, joined by Matt Dickey, M. Dickey, to my now then me ducks. How's it going, Matt? I thought I'd just slip a little bit of a, a Lincolnshire colloquialism in there to bring you on board, because you're a fine Lincolnshire gentleman like myself. Yep, thank you. It's, it's a pleasure to speak to a fellow Brit about games for once, because it's usually an American uh, conversation. Um, but I'm happy to be on the unofficial controller podcast because I think of myself as an unofficial controller because I'm awkward, but for a lot of people, I'm the only thing they can afford. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Let me write that down. That's a new strap line for us. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> um, well, before we get lost in the weeds on everything, I must ask you, what what have you been playing this gaming week? I, I have um, been carving out some time to catch up on Mario Wonder because I saw the 10 out of 10 reviews, the 5 out of 5 reviews, and I wanted to see what all the fusses was about. I, I kind of felt this must be the second coming of Super Mario World or something. I'm struggling with it a bit so far. I mean, it's a bit overwhelming. It's a bit trippy. There's so much going on on the screen, but I'm uh, I'm working my way through that because um, Mario is what got me into uh, the Switch again. I played Mario Odyssey in 2019 just for fun. And then that's when the light bulb went off. I should probably try and figure out how to develop for a handheld console. So that's, oh, wow. um, that's what I've been playing. And, and that's one of the reasons I've been playing it. Interesting. What do you make of the whole Wonderflower scenario and how that sort of transforms the levels and or incorporates new gameplay elements? It's, I'm impressed with it and unimpressed with it at the same time because it is mind-blowing what they've done creatively, but I did I do find it overwhelming. Like my eyes can't keep track of everything that's happening. I feel like I'm missing out on something. Um so maybe maybe it's not for, for my age group, but um I'm I'm trying to enjoy it. I, I I it's one of those games where I think they had more fun making it than I'm having playing it. I, I, I would have had a lot of fun trying to bend the the conventions of a Mario game and suddenly making the pipes come alive and making the perspective change. I would have enjoyed doing that as a developer. I'm not having quite so much fun as a gamer, I have to say. All right, okay. Well, how about, how about you? How about you? Have you played Mario Wonder? I haven't. We had, um, we've got some colleagues in America, and one of our colleagues, Seb, has, has been playing it and enjoyed it and got a hands-on with it in the States. Um, it's not really... It's never really grabbed me, if I'm honest with you, from from the get-go. I, I mm. appreciate it for what it is. I see it, as you do, uh, for all the wonderful mm. things that it's doing to the 2D Mario genre. I've always... I came late to Mario as a teenager and enjoyed All-Stars on the SNES. Um, never really took to Mario World. I don't know why. And then, obviously, picked up an N64 and a Mario 64, and the rest is history. And my kind of... Mario love kind of stems through the feeling of Mario 64 and the 3D Marios. I know this is, I know there's mm. a million people who just clicked on subscribe and threw the headset on the floor and probably stamped on their phone, but you know, it's different horses for different courses. And, and for me, I kind of prefer the evolution back in the mid nineties, we were kind of all getting a little bit bored of 2D games. So we kind mm-hmm. of all jumped 
even on very low polygonal efforts of anything that was a, a 3D game. I'm not talking Jeff Crammon's Grand Prix or F-19 Stealth Fighter or something like that, unfortunately. But, you know, the evolution from the 2D games we all loved to the 3D games we slowly grew to love or loved immediately because it looked next gen and it made us feel like we were yeah. playing something cutting edge. Um, so the 2D Marios, to me, I, I can take them or leave them. Um I feel like the 3D Mario's, the way you move through the space, the openness of the levels, which was kind of incorporated in Mario 64, that sort of, this is, they nailed that. It felt like the right transition, but also enough freedom of movement and freedom within the gameplay to execute more how you want to do it. To me, sings more as to what Mario is, but I guess it depends on your jumping on point as to what you feel Mario is to you. Um, plus, did, did you feel that way when you re, when you revisited it on the Switch? If, assuming you did, did did you feel the same way about Mario sixty four now when you play it now? I do, but it's very hard. Gaming is one of those things. A movie is similar, I suppose, where it's very hard after you've known about something for a long time to separate the nostalgia, which gives mm. you that warm, cuddly feeling of like, oh, this is familiar, this is warm, to more of a critical uh, a critique of it saying mm, well you know if they'd done this or they'd done that or that doesn't hold up as well as it does so it's very hard to sort of separate that i still find that sort of openness of that first level especially uh, when you go yeah. through the painting and you're in the world with the womp in it that that's still very interesting to me and a great almost scene setter of what's to come uh, in terms of what yeah. you will be expected to do as the game progresses. So uh, I never thought I'd be here critically dissecting on a Wrestling Empire interview uh, Shigeru Miyamoto's finest work, but here we are. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> well, that, that, that's what brings me to games. I'm a Mario player. It's what brought me to Nintendo, as I said. So, But I, I find the Nintendo, the 2D games have aged better. Um, I, I find myself... The 3D games hurt my sensibilities now. Not not that my games are that good looking either, but the low poly, low resolution texturing hurts my eyes, whereas the 2D games are timeless in my eyes. I enjoy Mario World and Legend of Zelda Link to the Past every bit as much as I did then, whereas Mario 64 and Ocarina of Time, I can't quite get past the mental hurdle of games aren't supposed to look like this anymore. And I suppose I'm going through the same thing in my own work. I mean, I've got a mixture of primitive 3D games and 2D games. And I do find, my audience finds that the 2D games are timeless. They'll still play them 12 years later, every bit as much as they did then. Whereas the 3D games, they age pretty badly. Yeah. Well, let, let's get, um, I think that's brought us quite nicely into getting into a little bit about you, if I may. It's uh, you're quite an elusive character, so we're very glad to have mm. you here. And I must thank you for for coming on, for breaking the seal of anonymity. If that's uh, I'm from Lincolnshire, obviously, as we've now outed. There's there's no hiding my inability to speak. Um, but born in in North Lincolnshire, and um, one thing that kind of stuck with me when I was kind of looking into your world and your life is the fact that you were i found a little ditty about how you used to create toys while you were kind of mm. with your working your parents were working and you created toys out yeah. of the things you had to hand now that sort of struck me as like that feels like a genesis point but of someone of not dissimilar age to me i'm slightly more older gentleman than you i have to admit and you're the young pup of the conversation but what toys were you creating? And do you think that 
creation of those toys opened up your mind to the creation of your own games and ideas that have now flowed into your burgeoning game catalogue? Oh, absolutely. That was me making games without a computer, without a doubt. I was making board games. I was making card games. I was making dice games. I was um, making things out of cardboard and um, just any, any, anything I could do to – I was just being as creative as I could with the tools I had access to at that time, which wasn't a computer. Um, and so – but when, when you look back, you can see that I used the exact same statistics, even the exact same mathematical logic about how those statistics were applied to the wrestling games because it was popularity, strength, agility, stamina, um, and, and attitude and things like this. And so the building blocks were there. And I had everything I needed except a computer. And then that had to slot in at a later point. I'm excited and disappointed by that because I thought you would wheel in like a, a Millennium Falcon made out of cardboard at this moment, or maybe Matt Tracker's oh, Thunderhawk from Mask. I can show you one thing I made. Um, this is a, a Lemmings game. I don't know why I call it Lemmings. It's a, a Lemmings game I made at school with... Um, ball bearings and you had you had a magnet that picked up a ball bearing and you had to move that around a level and uh just things like that like in my imagination this is a computer game because it's lemmings but it's practical (laughs) and it's magnetic and it's wooden and one thing i would say uh matt for the audio listeners you just shown me quite honestly it's probably one of the best things i could ever have created even as an adult and this is your childhood dalliance with wood. Yeah, you could say um, uh, uh, that wood uh, painted, and it's got plasticine holding it all together, and ball bearings, and then there would be a magnet that I pull around it. And I see you've it's stuck quite poetic because I, I, I see you've stuck on almost like a, a games review score on the top of it as well from what Games Master. Yeah, oh yeah, there's, there's me. Yeah, ninety-one percent existence. <laughs> Ninety-one percent. It's the best best review I've ever had, and it's for a uh, a wooden box. (laughs) (laughs) That is joyous. You see, now that's changed the pantheon of where I thought you were at. I thought you were building maybe Castle Grey School or or maybe Thunderbirds Tracy Army, but it transformed. Oh no, it wasn't building games. No, it was games. It was it was like I'll I'll take a board game like WWF would bring out its, its stereotypical board game. And my brother and I would pull it to bits and make it better than it was supposed to be. Not as tame as it was, as, as they made it. And you could do anything. It was more freedom. There was more happening. It was more authentic. So that was just a recurring theme. We'd take something basic and kind of mod it. It would be the board game equivalent of modding a uh, mainstream game. And then that's where you learn what entertains people, what makes something good or bad. It's a real education, and I, uh, I recommend it to any aspiring game developers. When you, um, when you first started to explain there about the, the toys that you were making or the games, the board games you were making, which I think is a better fit of a description mm. for the things that you're yeah. creating, you mentioned some of the stats and, and how they sort of contributed yeah. towards the character's journey in the game. Was there an element of the mm. sort of burgeoning games workshop books that came out the finding find the fighting fantasy series did that ever occur in your childhood it was Tal- talisman have you heard of talisman i have heard of talisman yet it, yeah we, we my brother and i used to play that board game and that, I, I suppose that did um set me off on the idea of a character card with attributes special attributes they even had a gold uh, a gold uh, treasury and um yeah there's quite a lot of overlap with the just all the entertainment I was exposed to as a child and just it all 
kind of um, congregates into my own, and then I put my own spin on that. And then, because there's, there's nothing new under the sun. Nobody's inventing anything. We're just twisting. We're taking, we're like magpies, taking everything we've ever been exposed to and then creating the illusion of an invention. But it's just evolution. The wrestling's obviously, you mentioned it there a couple of times, and that's obviously been quite an important part of your library as you developed and, and seemingly your whole sort of interest in the entertainment industry. What came first? Did you get a video game first or did you get exposed to WWF first or was it World it was, of Sport? It, it was close. It was, it was a Hulk Hogan. Well, first it was a, an Ultimate Warrior trading card in the playground and I'm thinking, what? who's this? What is this? Then it was a Hulk Hogan video. So, so I'm, I'm exposed to these larger-than-life bodybuilders and that gets, that's, the, that's the gateway drug. Then I'm exposed to Bret Hart and I see what it looks like at its best. And I'm a, I'm a fan of the, the technical stuff. And so at that point, the games come in in 1992, that WWF WrestleMania for the snares. That's the first game we bought and then never stopped from then on, really. Okay, so that was that your first home computer or did you have... I grew up in a time um, where consoles were a little bit out there especially in lincolnshire so i had an atari st some of my friends had spectrums before that and i had a i think my first computer apart from a pong clone that my parents um got bored of and let me fiddle around with was a vic 20 which to a modern kid probably doesn't even put anything on the screen that even resembles a game so did you go straight into console or did you have those home computers well well, our our evolution was Atari two thousand six hundred was the first thing we'd ever been exposed to about Major Five. Yeah. Then we got an Am- an Amstrad CPC, and then an Amiga five hundred, then a Super Nintendo, and then it's off off to the races with Nintendo consoles, pretty much from then on. So at that um, point, me and you got yeah. side by side and went on that train. We de- we devoted to. I, I think so. Until yeah. I can't remember when it was when I kind of fell out of love with them i suppose off the back of the n64 i went and got a dreamcast i just wanted something a little bit i was fed up of supporting what felt like the underdog uh and then i went and got the world's right. biggest underdog so yeah. <laughs> it's a <the> logic <laughs> of a mid lincolnshire man for you um so that wrestling obviously in the uk unless you had sky it was quite hard to get hold yeah. of and enjoy and understand so where did you first sort of stumble across it on the regular yeah, that's the funny thing, because I never even had Sky until, until recently. I never had Sky. So my friend used to record it on his Sky uh, setup, and he used to share the videos with us on the Monday after a pay-per-view or, or whatever it was called back then. Oh, my and, um, So it was really, it's really amazing. It was all the second-hand information. Looking back, it's it's a miracle I, I, I even knew that much about it, because I only watched the Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series. And looking back, that was a very meager diet to sustain yourself on and be a huge fan of something. Whereas now you've got so many hours per week, which is every bit as as as, um, as entertaining as we had once or twice a year. So, um, yeah, looking I back, I can't we, imagine how it happened, but it did. Yeah. I wonder if we jumped in a time machine and took the latest Monday Night Raw on a VHS, so from from today or this week, mm-hmm. all the way back to you then and showed you it. Obviously, not only as games developed and technology has developed, wrestling has developed as a as an art form and a medium as well. And I wonder quite what we would yeah. think of that then. Do you think it would blow our mind and uh, just an average Monday Night Raw yeah. WrestleMania feel like a car boot 
uh, yeah, car it, parks it, fine. It, 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 it's fashionable to criticize it now and say it's not as good as it used to be, but your mind would be blown if you saw what they're doing, the production quality, and and things like that. If, if you saw Roman Reigns uh, 15 or tw- uh, 20 or 30 years ago, you'd still be every bit as impressed, I think. And um, yeah, as, as much as it's fun to make fun of uh, WWE, we're all fans of it at the end of the day in my in my corner of the industry. Uh, we, we just enjoy taking uh, shots at, at the big boys, but <laughs> standing on the shoulders of giants. But we're all, we're all fans at the end of the day. It's just a gimmick. You're right. Um, so... Trying to understand your console history. So you went to your SNES, then I presume the N64, and then what, you loyally then jumped to the GameCube? No, no actually, um, I was wrong to say it was Nintendo from then on because I actually had this... Um, I went back and forth with N64 and PlayStation. At that point, I couldn't afford to own both. So I actually had the PlayStation first, sold it to get an N64, and then some of my friends at school started getting some good PlayStation games. And so I sold my N64 to get the PlayStation. And then I sold my PlayStation to get another N64 in 1998. <laughs> when Goldeneye and uh, no, uh, see, um, NWO, WCW, uh, whatever it was called, uh, Revenge. Yes. When those games came out, I switched back to the N64. And then um, I didn't actually move on to the GameCube. I never owned a console again until... The Switch, to be honest, because at that point, I had started making games by 1999, 2000. By 2000, I'd started making my own games, and then I had no time to play other people's games or or even the resources to buy them because I was at university and I was struggling. And um, and so it wasn't... I didn't get a console again until the Switch. Wow. Okay. Well, so to get into that, Manchester University, uh, a Bachelor of Science in Video Games and Computers at Salford University. Now, that is not a... That's not a throwaway thing, Matt. That's actually quite the honour. Uh, are you? Do you look back on those those uni days fondly? What Talk to me through that. It was strange. The, the strange thing about it is it was the first course of its kind ever uh, taught in England. There was one in Scotland, but that was the first one in England. And so it was the first course of its kind ever ever attempted. And that there were pros and cons to that because it was the blind leading the blind. To be honest, they had no idea what to do. So on one hand, it was exciting to say, I go to university for three years to study games. And on the other hand, it was not fit for purpose. It didn't produce graduates who could uh, make games uh, by any stretch of the imagination and uh, i'm sure it has evolved now into serving that purpose but then it was uh, a lot of teething problems and uh, it wasn't as good as it sounds okay because since then manchester's become sort of recognized as a stronghold for sort of producing the next wave of game developers through their universities um we did something um Last year it was, we went to a, a nightlife event called Format that was based around games. And that was that mm. also had a backing to it of some of the universities and things with the organizer and, and quite how that world is developed is actually really quite nice and special. And the fact that it's kind of taking a kid fresh out of sixth form, one would imagine, and throwing them into the deep end. But I think there's a lot of mysteries about sort of game development especially for us for studios where you think you're going to be lying back in a chair with a beret on and drawing something and it feels like really nice there's a lot of crunch involved and it's not necessarily the nicest sometimes not the nicest place to work so you kind of skipped all that and decided to make games on your own um can you tell us a little bit more about that because i think you had some immediate success in 98 with your own website and a, a hardy boys in game. 2000 
two yeah, in the in August August or September two thousand, the exact moment I was about to go to university, I I, I had some um, overnight success on a on a wrestling website. Um, I uploaded a a game to them, and it went out to about fifteen thousand people. And and overnight, I was waking up to emails saying, "Let's have more of this. This is really interesting. It's a really interesting way of engaging with the products because I was making games every week." So it was like a weekly TV show. I would react to the product in real time within a week. And so it was this really topical brand of game development, small little games. It was a good education for me. And um, yeah, so that's how I got my start. And then within a year of that, I had enough support to have my own website and um, and never looked back from there, really. How did you, how did that evolve? So you would watch Monday Night Raw or something along those lines. Um, and then you yeah. would kind of put those events and activities into that game, into a, an update for the game. That's the funny thing, again, because at the university, again, I didn't have access to Sky. And again, I was borrowing tapes from some guy at university who did have Sky. And I was watching clips on uh, like the internet, their, their version of WWE.com back 20 years ago. Yeah, And so, yeah, I would I would consume the latest news and then make a game about the big news story of the week, whether it's Steve Austin getting run over by a car, who did it, I'm going to make a whodunit about that. If it's Triple H and a love triangle with Kurt Angle, I'm going to make a game about a love triangle between those two wrestlers. Just one aspect of one product and just kind of blow it up, turn the volume up on it, and try and entertain people, try and make people laugh. And, and then after a year of doing that, they suddenly became a bit bigger and I was suddenly making a full 2D wrestling game from beginning to end. Um, so I've got some sort of stop-off points along the way here. Wrestling Encore, what what can you tell us about that? Mm-hmm. Because there's certain sort of, as I've been re- researching you, I always feel quite stalkerish when I'm researching people because it feels a little bit invasive, to be honest. But uh, Wrestling Encore, that was maybe your first stepping stone on the way to wrestling empire, which is where we, this whole conversation is taking us. Well, no, it starts in 2004 with wrestling empire, 2004. But that's with the end. In, in, in 2006. Yeah. In 2006, there's a wrestling encore as in come back again, do another yeah. one. Yeah. Um, and then in 2008, there's another wrestling empire. And then there was the 3D one on mobiles. And then there was Wrestling Empire on Switch. Because I don't know, obviously within your Wrestling Empire, which is the only one I've played and absolutely love, there's a booking element to it as well. Were you a fan of, mm-hmm. I've talked about this and I could never remember the name. I feel like it's CZW or something like that. There was a spreadsheet wrestling management game that existed online. Do you recall that? Um, I'm aware of promotion wars and and, and (laughs) it it does ring a bell, but I'm not sure about the online thing. I'm I'm just aware of text games. 20 years ago, there was a lot of text games about it it was a text booking your own promotion. That's like like the championship manager, the championship manager of wrestling. I was aware of those. Did you get to play those? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomised genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that owl has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes... 
it doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. No, I played one on the Amiga way back in the day. My um, goodness, what was, it was, it was that called, it was like? Prof- it was called Professional... Re- it wasn't that bad, actually. It was called Professional Wrestling Masters based on Professional Football Masters because we we used to play... My brother and I used to play a football management game called Professional Football Masters. It was a really good text version of, of it. Um, and then there was a... Te- uh, it was quite graphical, actually. There was It was like a turn-based wrestling game and it wow. was quite in depth. You man, yeah, it was really quite impressive for its time. And you created your own characters with with, with graphics, and you you um, yeah, you chose moves in a turn based kind of format, not in an action based format. And um, yeah, that was my technically that was the first time I saw a, a, a wrestling game like that. But when I did it myself, it was because I was a fan of Championship Manager and the football management games, and I thought a lot of us had the same idea at the same time, which is why isn't there a wrestling version of this? And then I took it in a more graphical route where you actually are seeing what's happening. You actually are doing what's happening. And that was my priority. And others went more in depth on the, um, on the, the management side of things. Okay. So let's indulge me. Let's fast forward to wrestling empire. And, and, you know, that's the game of the moment. I think you mentioned uh, when we were talking that it's well today as the moment that we record, but when this episode goes live, it will be, it's, three-year, three-day anniversary, but let's just say it's its three-year anniversary. When yeah, you, How far before that, um, obviously it released three years ago, how long were you in production before you brought the game out? It was the whole of 2020 from beginning to end. Um, I actually, I wanted to hit the anniversary of No Mercy, which was um, November 2020. I wanted to bullseye that exact anniversary for the pure poetry of it. But um, I didn't realize how long Nintendo's approval process is. So I, I finished it at the end of October on Halloween in 2020. And they said, uh, no, we're not releasing this until January. So uh, I wasn't used to that delay. But um, it turned out to be a good thing because I, I used the extra time to do a lot of marketing and I got a lot of viral trailers going. And I spent the whole of December just promoting it like a movie. And uh, that turned out to be for the better. So Nintendo taught me a lot about um, about doing things properly, taking your time, slow down, don't be in a rush. Because it, it did have a, a bigger impact in January than it would have had if I rushed it out in November. Yeah, I mean, as you say, it enabled you, you were then, I guess, kind of a little bit sort of lost of what to do. So it enabled you then to double down yeah. in November and December and really publicize the game. And I really don't think... The game doesn't really grab you if you're from our age demographic, and forgive me, I'm lumping you into that, but we grew up with No Mercy, SmackDown, WCW versus NWA Revenge, WrestleMania 2000, those games. As soon Mm. as I caught my eye on it, and I um, was a little bit late to the Switch, probably six years, if I'm honest, but I arrived at the right moment. And and Wrestling Empire, as soon as I sort of, I wanted to play a wrestling game on the Switch, didn't I? So I was Googling away and I was going through these lists and I stumbled across Wrestling Empire. And first of all, I kind of, it was just words. But as soon as I saw footage 
I knew. Um, before the show started recording, I said to you, I was walking my dog in 1998 or similar, and I was sort of daydreaming, for want of a better word, about I, what I wanted from the next uh, WWE game or WCW game. Because at, at that time as well, WWF uh, or WWE was pumping out those awful acclaim wrestlers that people still hold a candle for, like Warzone and um, Attitude, that quite honestly just are insulting to wrestling as a form of entertainment or a sport or a genre. It felt like Mortal Kombat in 3D. It was pretty much you had to remember all the different uh, moves to do with yeah. Tombstone. You had to remember all the different inputs for a DDT. Nothing ever felt smooth or fluid or natural. And then one day I was probably in Dixon's and I stumbled across WCW versus NWO or, or World Tour or Revenge, whichever one it was. I had the first one, whichever came out, and I brought that home and I played the absolute wheels off it. But each time I would imagine yeah. I was playing it as the WWF superstars rather than the WCW superstars. And I was, to go back to that moment, I'm walking my dog thinking, oh, I wonder what the next one could be. I want to be able to go backstage. I want to be able to do this. I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to lift weights to build my character up. I want to be able to maybe go to my hotel room. After the show's finished, why can't I walk outside and it show me getting in a car with my closest ally on the ring and then showing the road passing? Because I remember... One of the games, I think it was N, uh, WCW versus NWO, started with a truck coming up over this horizon, yeah. like this this attention-grabbing sort of moment where it kind of came through. And I think Sting was driving it or something equally outrageous. Yeah. And I remember thinking, why couldn't yeah, they just do that but me in a car uh, between each night? Because there was always this talk in the magazines of how they buddied up and drove to different venues or they got on a plane and flew to a different venue. And I thought, wow, that would be really good because I've got to get out my match, get changed, get in the car, and get to the next venue, which might be two states away. So we've got to go. And there might be some sort of roadhouse style moment where they pull over in a bar and they're talking to someone and they get back in the car and I was thinking, oh, that would be great. Yeah. And then I can build my character up. And if I want to change my gimmick, I can. All of this fever dream bottled up in 1998 got packaged into your brain somehow. I'm I'm stealing your thunder here, but somehow you arrived at the same conclusions I did when you were making Wrestling Empire off the, off the back of these uh, late 90s N64 video games. It's amazing that you've managed to capture my dream, and I thank you eternally for that, because this is everything <laughs> I ever wanted in a wrestling video game, and you have delivered. Can you talk to me about where some of these ideas came from and, and how they ended up forming the backbone of what's made Wrestling Empire what it is today with the Rome mode and, and all the other good stuff? Well, it's funny you should say that, because I felt exactly the same way. I was sat there 25 years ago, and I would... I would uh, kind of like exaggerate to my brother. I'd, I'd look at the latest wrestling game in the magazines and I'd say, oh, this one's got a really, it's going to have a really good career mode with a schedule full of stuff and, and there's going to be backstage meetings and there's going to be contract negotiations. And I, I was, I was, it's kind of like half lying and half kind of tapping into what I'm actually going to be doing in the future. It's really kind of like um, this, this, this thin line between past and future. And uh, I was kind of breaching it. And my and my brain was just on fire with with lying about what games contain, but actually 
actually acting out what I believe they should. And then I just kind of willed it into existence through that sheer enthusiasm because I wanted to do the exact same things you wanted to do. And um, I just didn't stop until I made it happen. Wow. Okay. So you're creating Wrestle Empire. You've, you've got the idea for how you want the wrestlers to interact in the ring. Was there any sort of idea within that that you – because I have – in talking about the wrestling empire on previous shows and, and how I've come across it and found it, I've described it as a little bit wonky. I think uh, Nintendo life has famously called it a little bit wonky off air. I said to you that that's, a little bit. that's not quite right. It's the openness and the fluidity mm. that does produce kind of sometimes a little bit of a jar and effect, but I would not trade that for yeah. anything because the, flow of the matches being caught midair having my move reverse and it turn into a chain wrestling extravaganza no other game does that was that something that you were very keen on implementing from the start yeah i'm 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 as aware of the flaws in my games as anybody else the only difference is i know why they're there i know the trade-off that was necessary to entertain you in that way if you wanted the game to be perfect and not buggy and broken, it would have to run on rails like the mainstream games do and prevent anything awkward ever happening. Yeah. But I knew that it was worth it to shoot for the stars and land on a cloud to give you the freedom to make mistakes, to give myself the freedom to make mistakes, to reach those moments. Because they would never happen if we're looking for that polished, pristine, sterile experience um, you have to have the freedom to make mistakes. So a lot of people take the free, so you can take the freedom I give you and you can have a magical experience. And you can yes. say, this is magical. It allows magical things to happen. Yeah. Or you can take that freedom and do absurd things and say, this game is absurd. It allowed me to do absurd things. The person who made it must be absurd. So <laughs> I, I feel a bit unfair because that, that's the thanks I get for giving you freedom, to give, for giving you the freedom to entertain yourself is people will turn around and say, ha, look, he gave us the freedom to do stupid things. He's a stupid bus. You gave us the freedom. You're definitely not that because, you know, I can't even finish a crossword and you've produced what I would call arguably the greatest wrestling game of all time. No other game captures the, uh, the, the, the anachronistic craziness of wrestling. Mm. You never know in terms of the WWE or AEW, whatever else is kicking around these days, really what is going to happen next. And it's that edge of the seat scenario that grips you into it as an entertainment medium. It's the, it's that excitement of what can happen. And you talk about sterile. There's a lot of sterileness in the games. It's kind of like, this is how you have to Mm. play it. And these are the only ways you can get out of this move. And this is the only way you can progress from this to this, to this, you can't do that. And you can't do that. And you can't do that. And we play these games within these rigid guidelines of what they've set us. Mm. But yours is the only game that I've played where you can be walking around backstage and somebody comes up to you and then it all kicks off and you're trying to go to your hotel room but someone grabs hold of you and wants to ask you if you can help them. Can you nobble this guy backstage? So, uh, you know, and, <laughs> and and then, you know, the interference in the ring or I've had something happen where I didn't, and I'm, you can maybe explain this to me, where my stats maybe didn't quite work correctly in terms of doing a move and it botches. But wrestling has got yeah. botched moments in it. So it's the yeah. ultimate real-life wrestling simulator that sort of portrays wrestling as a sport, but also as a form of entertainment where these wrestlers, no doubt if there was ultimate, if bloody Triple H was here now, he'd tombstone me through a table and ask me if it hurt. You know, I, I understand yeah. it hurts, but 
actors in a way producing almost like a, a testosterone filled weekly soap opera um that people buy into your game is the only game that's been able to illustrate that in a way that has me always clicking next and i go through the newspaper and i'm yeah. like oh come on what's going to happen next i'm excited you know what where can my character go next and i've played through with redneck Brewstein and there was a time where I changed the names, so I felt a little bit more like I was I was playing a, a more sort of named experience. And then I thought, there's some joy about actually just this sort of weird alternate universe where Steve Austin is Redneck Roostine and I'm playing as this guy. <laughs> and um, I know as a fan, a lifelong fan of wrestling, and I had a similar introduction to you. My my cousin had Sky, and I once saw he was just flicking through. It's just WWE. Don't worry about it. And no, go back. And I I saw the undertaker for the first time. And I was like, who is this person? You know, I'd seen world of sport before as a very young child on my grandmother's TV and was kind of intrigued by it, but it didn't have that sort of Hollywood sheen to it. I saw WWF in the eighties and suddenly saw that Hollywood sheen and the production values and thought, wait, what's this? Obviously, then the games and the action figures started to sort of expose us to us, and it's it, I, the the love of the sport is, is is definitely paramount in the enjoyment of it. But the the alternate names within it just create this 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 world. Anyone who knows wrestling knows that this is a pastiche of this person, or you're one move or one haircut away from being exactly that person, or one color change on the suit you've made it very easy for people like me to indulge my fantasies and i thank you for that um yeah what's the what do you think the the way that you've incorporated the different federations within and then obviously you go from you can go from wrestling school you can have a contract negotiation which which i love by the way um all I ever all I ever want is creative control so they don't mess my character up. And that seems to right. be the most egregious request of any booker in the game. <laughs> well, it is in real life. It is in real life, isn't it? If, if someone goes up to Triple H and says, I want full control of my character, there's only a, a, about three people in the whole promotion that will get that thing. So I, it does annoy a lot of gamers, but it is true to the sport. Yeah. It is very true to the sport, but I've had to sell my soul for like $200 a week. Yeah. <laughs> just to, yeah. <laughs> to keep, and if I accidentally even look at an announce table during a match, I'm then immediately in the in the big man's office, and he's like, "I'm going to need." I'm glad you enjoyed yourself out there. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Please no! Two hundred dollars. It's like I've got to pay this. That's I'm going to get dumped. So you pay, and then you've worked for free. But the the wrestling school evolution and the other federations and the way they work almost within the database of constantly providing that background data uh, to enable that mm. to build almost like a realistic backdrop to the whole of the pantheon you're you're in not just the federation you represent at that time is was that mm. a hard thing to compute or are we talking a, a spreadsheet a database in the background that's crunching those numbers no it's 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 very easy uh it's it's, sim- it's a simple number they have a promotion one one to nine one to ten and uh that number dictates which pool they go in the only hard thing about it is in the real world WWE doesn't own the rights to any other promotions, so they can only depict their, you know, Raw, SmackDown, NXT rosters. 
So what independents have is that opportunity to create a larger world because we're not making a glorified piece of merchandise. We're making an immersive simulation, whereas they are limited to promoting their brand. And that means that there's a lot of problems with that. That means they can never criticize somebody. They can never depict this guy as being truly talentless. They can never depict this guy as earning less than that guy um, because it raises a lot of political questions for them, but for us as outsiders, we have that freedom to to have a real hard look at the behind the scenes behind the scenes stuff with, without any sanitization. So it comes back to that sterile conversation again. Uh, they make sterile um, games, whereas we make those rough around the edges kind of games. And we and we thank you for it. Um, within the Within Wrestling Empire, and people listening now, if they haven't gone and downloaded it immediately, especially since I've been feverishly rabbiting on about it for so long, um, it also allows you to depict what I would call the sort of darker elements of the of the wrestling industry. Mm. There's the steroids, which I've always said no to, but I, I'm always kind of intrigued. It's a game. I don't know why I'm so like, no, I'm clean. I don't yeah. know why I'm yeah. so obsessed with that. Horrible the, decision, yeah. Yeah, the painkillers and things like that. And that's a darker side, an underbelly to the industry that maybe is around, maybe is is around these days. And 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 who knows? I wouldn't like to get caught up in that. But the fact that you've weave, woven that into the fabric of wrestling empire is should be applauded, I think. What made you what made that helped you make that decision to incorporate those sort of more darker life elements? Well, I have a simple uh, saying, which is if it happens in wrestling, it happens in Empire. If you don't want me to put that in a game, don't put it on my timeline in real life. Don't put uh, premature deaths in front of me if you don't want me to put premature deaths in front of you in a game. I'm holding up a mirror to an entire industry, and there's not much that I leave out, and there's not much that I would even consider leaving out. It's um, And I, I find it quite funny because... Sometimes my games are dismissed as being gratuitously violent when I'm the one that surrounds death with great ritual, with funerals, with memorials, with tributes. <laughs> Whereas people can slaughter, you can slaughter people in GTA Five, and and that's hailed as as a, as a work of art. But I'm gratuitously violent for for making you miss a character, make, making your heart sink when that music drops. Oh, something's happened. A guy's gone. A name has gone forever. And we're going to have a funeral for him, and we're going to have a memorial service. I'm the bad guy for doing that. I'm the I'm the tasteless guy for doing that. But people can get massacred in other games, and uh, everyone thinks that's high art. I, that is uh, an interesting viewpoint, and I, I I would be inclined to agree. I think there's always been a disconnect mm. in video games, it, and and I think sex has this disconnect as well. It's be, you can kill yeah. thousands of people in a video game. It's fine. It's a teen rating. You show one yeah. corner of an areoli, it's banned. Mm. Like, yeah, how is that, that yeah. dangerous? Yet teaching kids that shooting guns is okay and and is fine. It's for teens. Whereas the corner of a nipple, which is something that a kid has been fed yeah. since he was born, is is dangerous. I, 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 yeah, I, I found it especially frustrating because I had a lot of trouble with Google. They they would censor everything I did or or, or flag it up. Every little thing I did, like this woman's. Um, um, blouse is too tight you've got to take that down and take that screenshot down on the same website they had Game of Thrones having incestuous deaths and bloody red weddings and stuff like this on the same like media streaming thing and 
And they thought my games were as bad as, as those TV shows. So it seems they get a pass for being high art. They can do whatever they want. Games have to be whiter than white, purer than pure. Uh, and if you even, I, I couldn't do one tenth of the things that they do in a TV show. Do you think I've only got like an 18 rating. I've got an 18 rating for my school game, I think. So just a game about school and they get bullied a little bit in the, in the corridors, 18. And then if the same thing on TV or in a movie. Oh, that's, 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 that's fine. That's, that's, that's uh, got more credence than what you do. I've always seen video games as my generation's ever-living VHS in a way, if that makes sense. It's our sort of medium mm -hmm. to enjoy entertainment for our general. We've seen the full turn. Our generation is the ones that kind of, I know they were of early games running in scientific labs somewhere where they'd made sort of very basic dungeon crawlers on 3D paper and things like that. But, you know, we've seen the evolution from Pong to Atari 2600 all the way through. And we understand that as an entertainment medium, Heck, even the industry recognizes it an entertainment medium because, you know, these games are classed as the biggest form of entertainment in terms of revenue going. But to some people, and I don't know who they are, but certainly the people in charge tend to view video games, consoles and things as, as toys. Do you think that's where the disconnect has happened, do you think? Stay with us. We'll be right back. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step -step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step -step guide to starting your podcast today. Yeah, I think it's just this um, fear of the unknown. Like um, with the language as well, I'm, I'm, I actually swear a lot in real life, but I've never sworn in my games particularly. The language is very tame and it's still goes right up into the mature category very quickly for, for crude language because I said I'm going to kick your ass or something. And so, yeah, it's very frustrating that I don't have the same tools that other entertainers have in their mediums yet. And, uh, yeah. I, I have to admit, the first, really time, the first time I saw, like, um, a pro in Wrestling Empire, sometimes on the build-up to a big match, you have, like, an interview or promo. <laughs> and, uh, mm. There was one time where some guy sort of swore or something similar, and I was like, oh, I didn't expect... And it sat me back. Oh, right, yeah, it's a one-off. Yeah, because like, oh, yeah, it's so rare. Yeah, yeah. and I was like, oh, he's he really means this, but it actually kind of contributed... Yeah, exactly, to it had a bit of impact. Yeah. The narrative in my brain. One thing I would say about um, Wrestling Empire as well as uh, to kind of give it a bit of a pass, if I'm honest with you, when you're wrestling and you botch a move and you you really injure somebody and or, you know, I, I was playing with a game in the subway and I sort of wondered if I could back throw someone onto the track. A train arrived and then it was in the newspaper that he had been killed. And it actually resonated quite deeply. It was like, oh, actually, that didn't feel great. Yeah. And sometimes in a match when you sort of consistently pile drive someone into concrete and they kind of, go to get up and then can't and then you kind of 
if you've played Wrestling Empire enough, you kind of know that you've overdone it and they're mm. dead. And it yeah. it still leaves this quite sort of dark feeling um, that I haven't really experienced before. It's almost like you've taken this person's trust and abused it. As a wrestler, I think there's this sort of, even though a lot, you know, sometimes wrestlers in the industry don't get on, there's always this sort of level of respect where they kind of respect each other in the ring because one mm. inch of misplacement in some of these moves could kill somebody. And I think that that level of respect and care and interaction has been demonstrated quite well uh, from you, especially with the stats that contribute towards attitude about whether people will get in the ring with you because you could be deemed dangerous. Yeah. That yeah, I'm me... glad to hear that because that, that's exactly what I was trying to achieve is what you said. Yeah, that, that tug on your, kind of tug on your heartstrings, shock you just that little bit that there's something happening here that's deeper than the most gratuitous games. Yeah. And I, I, there's something that, although they're my actions, like when I, if people don't know, and again, I really implore people to go check this game out anywhere and everywhere they can. But there's something about these characters. You, The way you've designed them and drawn them in the artwork, we've talked about the sort of low polygonal sort of style, hate harking to no mercy, which has enabled you to have this freedom of control. But unlike other wrestling games, you come through the arena, you pull the taunt stick and you do the intro. And you breathe yeah, life. It's almost like um, the game makes me feel more like a puppeteer, like I'm controlling a marionette than anything I've ever played before. It's the it's the level of interaction that you can, if you're really mad with someone, you've been having a feud. I come through the curtain and I hit run. I'm getting in there and yeah. you know, I'm in the ring and I'm like, come on, let me get him, let me get hold of him. And I want to teach him a lesson. Equally yeah. so, when, you, when you're having a big match or you know that it's that big moment, you can really sort of stretch it out on the intro, put your hand up, maybe grab a weapon, yeah. turn to the crowd. You can, And again, I, there's so much in there. I do not know how you on your own have found the time. You can have the belt around your waist. You can take it off. You can hold it up. You can put the strap over your shoulder if you want to. If you've got two, you can have one Freedom, on your yeah. waist and one on your shoulder. It's unbelievable, Matt. So what it, my priority is to give wrestling fans the freedom to entertain themselves from the minute you walk through the curtain to the minute you walk back through. Because uh, if you don't insult their intelligence, they'll show you how intelligent they are. You know, yeah. If you don't insult a gamer's intelligence, they will show you uh, what entertainment looks like. And, and so that's all I've ever done is give people the tools to entertain themselves. And some people get it, some people don't. It, it, it hits people either way. You either... Okay, I get this. I'm in control of this. Um, it's my, it's kind of my responsibility for what happens next. Some people kind of like, they don't want that responsibility. And they think, oh, this game is awkward. It's it's making me do awkward things. It's making me taunt in an awkward way when I walk to the ring. Some people appreciate it and some people don't. But my, that's my priority is that freedom. And um, I'll never stop banging that drum. An update dropped recently. Um 1.6.2 new arena yeah. <laughs> a match type i never thought i'd see it, the the dog collar match flooded arenas yeah. it, it 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 keeps on coming may i ask what's next what's your dream of where this game goes well the the strange thing is it has nothing to do with wrestling because these are all things that are coming from my other projects the, the yeah. wrestling aspect doesn't actually have enough support to come as far as it has 
this is all me developing games about school and prison and zombies and superheroes and passing it all back chunk by chunk to wrestling to see what happens. It's this crossover, this cross-pollination. And vice versa, the wrestling is passing features forward to the adventure games that have never been seen in adventure games before. We've never seen the, this above-average combat system in an adventure game before. We've never seen this character customization or these character dynamics in, in a, an adventure game before. So there's this cross-pollination where the wrestling makes the adventure games better and the adventure games make the wrestling games better. And it's a wild ride in any direction, and uh, that's the way it's unfolding. And there's, there's more to come, like when... When I release a prison game and it has court cases, those court cases will come to wrestling, and there'll be oh. court cases about what, what. There'll be court cases about that guy you threw off the subway onto the train. That's going to be a court case. There'll be court cases in the booking mode when you infringe someone's gimmick. And so there's these layers every year. You think you've seen it all, but every year there'll be a new layer of complexity of sophistication, and it'll bring out the best in the old and bring out the best in the new, and hopefully. It'll be this kind of like symbiotic relationship where they all blossom together. One question: but the industry I... doesn't actually want me to do it. Really? Sorry. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of pushback from Apple specifically. They 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 think I'm spamming the uh, store. I've been, I've had about three warnings. What because spamming you've been, the store? Because you've updated. Yeah. Because I'm recycling features. So if I put something from the school game in the wrestling game, they say you're spamming your users. And I'm like, they don't sound like they're being spammed. <laughs> they seem quite happy with it. But they're, they're trying to create a quality experience. They're, they're trying to prevent people uploading cookie-cutter um, games. They don't want to They don't want to uh, damage the credibility of their store by having a load of nonsense. And I've got kind of swept up in that net a handful of times, and it's not really fair because I am – I'm sharing assets in a very productive way that makes everything better for everybody. It's a win-win. It's a 360 win. And um, it's, it's been a long, long fight to try and convince the industry that this shared universe is a good thing and not a bad thing. I would find that quite insulting because has Apple ever been yeah, on Apple's is. store? Because it's full exactly. of absolute trash. I, I, yeah, I, I had to argue there was a double standard because they said this um, – this wrestling game is too similar to that war game. I've got a war game. I've got a war game that has a map, and I've got a wrestling game that has a map. And they said they're too similar because they both have maps. And then I said, look at all the Angry Birds iterations: Transformers, Angry Birds, this Angry Birds, that Angry Birds. They're almost identical, and they're allowed on the store. But they kind of like they picked an easy fight with indies and uh, try and give us a hard time. But I, I had to. I had to stand my ground and kind of argue my case, but I have to do it on an annual basis. That seems crazy. I think a lot of digital mm -hmm. storefronts lack curation, but it seems like they try and make up for curation at the beginning by yeah. bringing you at the back end. And that yeah. seems Cause, cause we're, talking about, we're talking about games. So they did it with the Super City game, the superhero game, seven years after I made it. They sent me a, a thing saying, you've got to take this down now because you're spamming people. Uh, so that we should have had this conversation seven years ago about how I'm spamming people with games that have 10 million downloads. And uh, it's just nonsense. So you can win when you challenge it, but it's exhausting to have to challenge it. I'd rather not. I've got... Um... This is a personal indulgence, forgive me, based on something you said earlier about the um, the court cases and things coming. 
I've been had several times by my in wrestling empire. I've been a champion and my career has ended with one um, division and I've then been signed up to somebody else's. And in the paper, it's like, oh, he appeared on this federation with the other federation's belt. And I'm like, I had, where am I meant to put that belt, Matt, before I leave? Do I have to walk in the office and throw it on the floor or? Yeah, I think you should have done the right thing. Like Bret Hart, you should have dropped the title. You should have deliberately lost it. So it throws up the... (laughs) No, I don't seriously expect people to do that. But but in real life, that is what they're expected to do. That's why MJF lost lost the title to sell the fact that he's supposed to be gone by now in January 2024. You're supposed to drop the bell on the way out. And it's just a, it's just a little a little reference to real life about how people do show up. That makes sense it, it actually, actually, it is, it is actually a, a legitimate strategy in the booking game. If you see a guy's contracts going down to one week, you really should be getting the belt off him because in the renegotiations, he will either leave with a belt and damage your brand or he will charge you more money. So there is this legitimate business strategy of keeping the belt off someone who is up in the air because they will weaponize it against you. That makes sense. And I also, I don't know why I didn't think of that, but it, now you've said it out loud, it's completely obvious to me. And it kind of chimes yeah. in with another scenario I quite like. I kind of end up going, I've mastered the controls now and I feel like I'm kind of king within my own environment as far as wrestling empire is concerned. And, I have these sort of real long streaks. And then I got called in to the booker and they say, you really need to start putting people over. And then I, the annoying thing was every single match I had after that point felt like it was a title defense. And I was like, I don't really want to put someone over. (laughs) Imagine how they feel in real life. It's exactly the same. Why do you think they're all arguing backstage? The drama is exactly the same. But this is... And again, this is the level of emotion that you've been able to put into this game. And I wish people could just see past some of it. I think if they see it in motion, and they would get it more. In talking of that, there's um, obviously YouTube is a great place for people to go and, and see footage of your um, game in action. And obviously there's a lot yeah. of wrestling fans out there that are doing kind of career playthroughs of, of Wrestling Empire. My favorite one is, and I can't remember the guy's name, so it's not much of a shout out really, but there's this guy who did a playthrough of a character called Extreme Sumo, who literally was the most extreme guy I've ever seen on YouTube. He came down to the ring and he, he used to say, Oi! was his kind of strap line. And Everything he did was just pure chaos. When a match ended, he would then take them down. As soon as he got backstage, you saw and looked at him, he would take them down. It was all the within the spirit of the character, but it was something, I don't know why, but I got kind of, and that was that moment where I saw that character being controlled. And I came, I kind of thought, it, it's almost like a puppet that this guy's controlling, which is where that marionette idea mm. came from. And I thought this is, because I was watching this and seeing this guy's creation, Extreme Sumo or whatever it was, and I, I honestly felt like I was looking at a real thing, almost like a, a weird cartoon, real-life character. Is there anyone on YouTube mm-hmm. that you're a particular fan of that does it particularly well, or or have you not gone on YouTube to see people playing your game such long form? Yeah, I, I appreciate people like Chris Denker who 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 played my games because um, – and he put a lot of eyeballs on it, put millions of eyeballs on Wrestling Empire as well as some of the older games. And the good thing about it is they do that with no – I don't bribe anyone to do anything. I'm quite an exception in that regard I, because it is normal to bribe people to do things. 
Yeah. Um, but I refuse to do it because I don't want to muddy the water. I don't want to poison the well. And I don't want to sit there knowing that the only reason he played that game was because I paid him to or bribed him to in some other um, in some other way. So when people like Chris Denker do play my games and, and other YouTubers like that, they are legitimately doing it for the love of the game, for the love of their fans, for the love of the channel, for, for the jokes and, and new legacy and people like that. When they do it for charity is even more uh, impressive. That's who it is. And, Extreme uh, Sumo it's, 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 is New Legacy Inc. That's who that oh, really? is. Absolutely yeah. nailed it. So they, they, they entertain a lot of people. They put a lot of eyeballs on the game. They raise a lot of money for charity. And I'm a, I support all of that. And uh, it's, a, it's a nice symbiotic relationship. And, and it's genuine because they're not being paid or bribed in any way to do anything. I suppose from their point of view, they need to put a video out and you're... Yeah, it's, it's mutual, yeah. Yeah, give them platform, content, they give me but it's a very um, it's a blank canvas and a very wide palette of different things they can choose to put up there and the good thing about it is you never quite know what's happening next and yeah that in terms of an entertainment on a screen that you're not interacting with you're just partaking in there's something really enjoyable about it and i always think what what happened next what happens next to Extreme Sumo? Yeah. I can't wait. And I find I'm I'm as gripped to Extreme Sumo as I am to uh, my own uh, character. I think I'm going through at the moment as a hard gainer. And I can't remember, is, uh, is he a Mexican wrestler? La, La, La Parker. He was La Parker in NWO Revenge. La Parker. That's it. And um, yeah. I've had quite the run with him. I'm always keeping creative control because I don't want anyone messing with me. I think I did alter the gimmick slightly when I got sort of ganged up on and I had to sort of the belt take off of me. I came back as like a, a demonized version of uh, hard gainer, La Parker. And, uh, yeah, I like to do that. Uh, yeah. Serious mode. <laughs> yeah, serious mode. There's, there's comedy mode and serious mode. Uh, I, the the game has been quite honestly a revelation to me and I, and hope everybody listening now i mean we haven't even scraped the surface you can you can be interviewed on a podcast you, you if you're in full row mode you go in a hotel to make sure you get a good night's sleep uh quite often you find someone else in your bed so that turns into a, a brawl in the bedroom before you, before you even get your head down um you've got to turn up and show up to the arena at the right time you've you've got to go and improve your stats you've got to work in the gym on the climbing apparatus you've got to pump weights to um build up your physique you've got you've got to um be a generous person backstage in terms of training to keep your attitude up you've kind of got to agree with the boss to get it in the right place you can you can go to you can go to the graveyard and attend a funeral of a, a recently dead legend. You can get seriously wounded and injured in the match and end up in hospital with the option of being addicted to painkillers or, or steroids. You can go to the airport. You can end up on a plane. You, you can walk down the street. The, 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 the scary thing is we haven't, we've only seen a quarter of the things I had planned for this game. This, this is me working on my, in my part, in my working part time on a four out of 10 wrestling game. Imagine how, how much further I would have taken it if I was working full time on, on a on a critically acclaimed wrestling game. This is us against the odds, uphill, crawling over broken glass with broken legs while people throw slime at us, and and we're still getting things done. What a promo! I love- <laughs> that was great. <laughs> um, I think I know you wear the four out of ten as a badge of honor, and I'll be honest. Yeah, with yeah. You, I like to have fun with it. It, it, it it's kind of insulting if I'm honest, because I think if people had taken a little bit more time 
and I must humbly apologise because I've called it wonky and broken and this industry kind of lords those words on us. But hopefully I've taken the time to double down on the the intricacies of what it is. And the reason why I would use those words is the opening of the freedom that enables you to tell that story, not only on the screen, but within your own mind. And I think that's something that yeah. we need to remember is what this game gives us. Um, yeah. I want to say... All, what I'll say about that is all, all I ask for is an even playing field because people will say my games are a buggy, broken mess. But when AEW and WWE release games that are arguably even buggier, because definitely people call my games broken because of a few clunky animations. But now we're talking about soul-destroying bugs, the black screen bugs, the truly broken pieces of software. And that kind of language isn't used in the headline of those articles. It's used in the headlines against an indie developer who single-handedly made a game in the car park of a hospital during a pandemic while homeschooling two children. That's the guy that gets those headlines. The the billionaires get slightly different headlines. I think the industry is a bit weird in that regard, but I think I have stumbled across my ultimately the only wrestling game I've I will end up probably buying for the rest of my days. I don't see this enjoyment coming in the yeah, there's the fireworks and the showbiz of an annualized big sports release um from WWE or AEW, but they are lacking everything I could ever want. And to harken back to, you know, me walking around, walking my dog, it's the video game dream I always wanted. And it's the platform and Pantheon. So keep those updates coming, Matt, please, because I have doubled down on this. I don't want to play another wrestling game because everything as fancy as the graphics are, as the ray tracing bounces off Triple H's chest is irrelevant. Because the story mm. that's being told is dead. The career modes of those games probably peaked in what Here Comes the Pain, and they've been a pretty yeah. much downward slope since then. And that game at least enabled you to have some freedom of execution over your movement within the wrestling world backstage and the career of that wrestler. Your game, I can take someone from wrestling school, and I only noticed this the other day, you can adjust the in-game clock. So I set it back to the 90s just to watch the chaos yeah. unfold. Um, <laughs> that was, you know, because I did notice that some of the wrestlers were were, were dying or whatnot. So I thought, no, and, and I want to kind of take this guy through the 90s through to modern day. So he arrives as like a broken veteran, if that makes sense. There's only one yeah. game on planet Earth, if you're a wrestling fan, that enables you to do it in its wrestling empire. What yeah. a testament. Now, you said that you built the game in a car park during a pandemic while home homeschooling two children. Was that some yeah. sort of a release for you in terms of like, oh, I just need to do something? Was that the methodology there? No, no, that was my circumstances. Uh, we were in and out of hospital uh, um, for a health issue that I'm, I'm still not comfortable about talking about because I've got a superstar about talking things into existence but uh all, all all the all the facts are that i was in a parking lot of a hospital with two children in the back seat who, who had to be homeschooled because they can't go to the actual school during the pandemic and i'm there learning c sharp so that i can make my first nintendo game which is my first unity game and to go through that much sacrifice and work and then to deliver that in January 2021 and for the response to be, this is a buggy broken mess, it's four out of 10. That that kind of hurt because 
I felt it was uh, out of sync with how much work went into it, especially when that was coming at a time when Nintendo fans had nothing. They had been betrayed and neglected by WWE. They'd been betrayed by WWE 2K18. They'd been betrayed by WWE Battlegrounds, and they were about to be betrayed by uh, AEW Fight Forever. And I came into that gap and presented people with an affordable alternative that can load up to 30 characters instantly. And I, I expected a little bit, a little bit more enthusiasm than I got. To put it mildly. Do you feel like there's um? Hopefully, I can put myself in the in the face category, not the heel category here. But do you think there's a wave now of people that are retrospectively and now understanding? exactly what wrestling empire is and there's a sea shifting attitude towards it or do you think that you're always going to have to be yeah yeah i i hope so matt because i can barely tell my shoelaces on my own yeah i think as far as the public's concerned that that war is over it has overwhelming it had overwhelmingly positive reviews on steam um the most positive reviews any wrestling game has ever had on that platform you know it's had the most hours played per user on switch people have sank you know between 200 and 300 hours into my this best, game per that, year my most played game on switch is wrestling empire i got a little stat really? through from yeah i got a little yeah, stat every through december and, yeah and it was there <laughs> oh my goodness gracious me i've not even yes. had it that long really but so that's so that's been that's been vindication for me. I I knew, I knew that would be. I, I made a joke about that from the start. I said the media are criticizing me now, but I guarantee you, by the end of 2021, this will have the most hours played, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And and that turned out to be true because this is a marathon and not a sprint. And the sprinters ran out of breath very quickly, but this is the marathon that, that has gone on for years. Now we're in, in this is its fourth year. Uh, as a switch game and um yeah it's just getting it's getting it's growing when have you ever heard of a wrestling game growing they normally some of the games some games have been released and removed from the store in the time this has been on the store they, and they that's have. um that's a testament i think that's a, a vindication that you'll never read in a magazine do you think you're going to constantly refine because at the moment you know Unlike those other guys, they do a yearly cycle, drop it, you pay 80 bucks for the new one, as is today's price, and then they, you play it for a year and they drop it, and you pay another 80 bucks and you play it for a year and they drop it. Are you going to, at any point in time, take everything you've learned through the upgrades on Wrestling Empire and possibly we might see a Wrestling Empire revenge? Because you can't call it two. You've got to call it something like revenge. <laughs> No, the, the 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 bad news is the bad news is I'm never going to put myself through this process again. That that was it. But the good news is I'm never going to stop working on what we have. So, if you like what we have, the good news is I'm going to have add more bells and whistles to it. But I will never put myself through the process of building a wrestling game again from scratch. A collective sigh of sadness, but a collective triumphal cheer that. I currently now own the best wrestling game ever made and it's only ever going to get better. So, um, best I can do for you. Yeah. Thank you. Very kind, very generous. It's just for me, my personal updates. Uh, I mean, I could wax lyrical about the things that I would like to see, but I'm sure you're bombarded by millions of sort of more renowned people. Give give me one, give give me your number one. What's what's the best one? Um, My most important one. My God, this feels very indulgent, but I talked at the top about, um, it's quite a big change, I suppose. I want to be able to get in the car and and 
not drive it, but cut scene to the next to the next arena. And therefore, if there was mm. a way of reworking the street so it felt like I was, because you've incorporated the weather again, I yeah, <laughs> better just stop. You've incorporated the weather and all that sort of stuff. So a re like an alternate town. So you arrive and you feel like you're somewhere different or you get on a plane and you get off and you're somewhere different. Just that transition of an area through the career, I think, would be, it's a big ask, I know it is. But certainly, I want to feel like I'm in that truck with Sting, you know, going over the hills. And whoever it is, be it Undertaker or Hard Gainer or Gangrel, whoever it is, Terry Funk, that I've ended up getting wrapped up with. And you kind of evolve your career with them during those formative moments in the car. Other than that, I mean, whatever you come up with is 10 times better than I could dream of. So, you know, keep going. Well, the good news is we are we are going to get vehicles. that Those cars are going to be passed back to wrestling eventually. Um, it's just the the destination. So you, you could convince yourself that you're doing that tour, you're doing that road trip. But realistically... The idea that there would be a different town on the other end of that is because I'm working so hard just to build this one city. The idea that there would be yeah, a I, different city in in Japan is is just um, I could I could tweak little things to create the illusion of a different environment, different signs, different textures, but the, structurally it would be it would be very similar. That, and that I'm happy with. And I don't want to mm. I don't want to drive the car. I've I've no interest in a wrestling game in driving the car. Maybe like one of those close. You know, in the old movies where you kind of saw the two people in the car and the and the scene yeah. it was badly whizzing by. <laughs> no, if the it, illusion, yeah, the illusion. And if it was just then, we could go into you know that road chat where you could sort of speak to them about you know what's your favorite yeah, move or you know get promo advice or maybe build up a stat about storytelling in the ring or something like that from a legend. So if you're lucky enough to get teamed up with a legend you know you can learn something yeah. from that. If you end up being the legend yourself maybe you can impart stuff into the new person and then build your attitude up that way. Um like I say, I mean I'm just a I'm a guy who can barely work Excel. So I understand that what you do on a on a with these regular updates is beyond anything I could even imagine. And the fact that you've come this far with it is a testament on your own as well is a testament to everything that's gone on. Um I think I could speak to you for hours and hours and hours, um, Matt, but I just, one last question. Who do you play through Wrestling Empire as? And do you have a favorite, obviously you mentioned Brett the Hitman Hart being the excellence of execution on the way in, but who do you think is, who is your character at the moment in Wrestling Empire and what's the story there? Have you seen um, a, a character called Score Benz in the in the wrestling school? He's got like a half-shaved uh, head. I, I, I'm always choose him for some reason. I can't really explain why. Okay. Um, but but an, an interesting story behind the star character, you know that whack axe guy with the pink uh, top? Yes. That was an accident. Um, I created it, I accidentally created him 20 years ago in 3D Studio Max because when you're missing a texture, it's pink. So that my body texture had disappeared and he's, and so he, he showed up as pink with these black shorts. And I thought, oh, he could be uh, our version of Bret Hart. He's our, he's our pink and black attack. And, uh, and the rest is history. I just kind of, so sometimes, yeah, these random characters will be thrown up by the early version of the game. And my brain will get so used to seeing them that I'm quite fond of them, even though other people might think they look quite grotesque. I'm fond of, <laughs> so there's a guy called Worry Cousin. There's a guy called Worry Cousin in the wrestling school who's got this strange yellow and white shorts and a strange purple bandana. 
And that was just a randomized character from one of the very first builds of Wrestling Empire. And I just couldn't be bothered to change it. And I saw him so often, I I just I couldn't bear to see him disappear. And it's a strange little things like that that uh that dictate who becomes a uh, famous in a game played by millions of people three years well, later. Well you <laughs> And and again, I've I've got sidetracked again because you're in your own game, aren't you? Uh, as a as a wrestling promoter. Oh yeah, just just as a just as a joke. He's not. He doesn't have very good stats, or it's not exactly a flattering self portrait. Um, but but um, you have caused yeah, me. You have you have. I don't even look like that in real life. I know he wears a hat. He which does I never a cowboy wear, hat. You you have caused me quite the drama. I never wear a hat. during my wrestling career. Oh. Uh, so oh right. what now? I'm back in here. You want 200 quid for that thing? You want me to up my attitude? Why, Matt? Why? <laughs> I, I think that's why I did it. It's like, if we can't have online play, I can I can indirectly be part of your world. So <laughs> I can indirectly be part of everybody's game and and be the guy that's creating trouble for them or otherwise. So that's you, just an interesting s- little twist. You, you certainly do that. I think you're probably, in my <laughs> playthroughs, you've been the most maniacal of Federation bosses I have ever met. I think he, look, he, look, he looks like this. He looks like this in wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> For the audio listeners, <laughs> Matt's uh, pulling his best uh, M. Dickey face. And uh, yeah. That's got my really rage. Like like that's triggered my that's triggered my rage glancing. <laughs> I just want to smash you through the through the office window as retaliation for another extreme um request. <laughs> um I like I say I could go on but I want to be respectful of your time. Um as fans okay. of the show know, um I want to well, hang on, let's go back to this. I just want to be truly thankful that you've you've taken the time out of your, your busy schedule. Um, the update's just mm. dropped. It's it's the anniversary of the game. You probably should be potting, um, pulling party poppers and eating a prawn volivon or three in celebration, but you decided to sit down with a, a sub-average podcast and give us the time of no, day. That, thank, you for, thank you for spending this uh, anniversary with me because it's uh, three years to the day that this game came out and uh, your enthusiasm for it has uh, made me feel even better about the day. Wow. Well... I am honoured by that. Like I say, it's, it's some sort of bizarre fever dream we've shared along the way. And the fact that I'm now looking at you and you're real means to me that this is real. And I have been playing Wrestling Empire. And it's not some sort of weird dream um, that I created many years ago. Um, hmm. To everybody out there, to if they want to find you on the socials, where would they go? Just uh, at, at mdickey.com, spelled out D-O-T-C-O-M on uh, Twitter and YouTube. And uh, that's about it. I don't really do Facebook anymore except for a huge announcement because that's kind of dying out and um, I don't do anything else. Oh, even my own website, mdickey.com, is a bit quiet, but it's uh, a little museum of what was accomplished in the past. You can find all the independent download links of, of various things throughout the past three decades of making games unbelievable um you live the life i always wanted to live those that can make games do those that can't talk about them on a podcast hence why i'm here and you're there um thank thank you you um before we let you go i must ask you we've asked you what you had been playing what are you hoping to play for this next gaming week um getting back into civilization five um Every every year, one of my little treats that I look forward to is carving out the time to play 
something like Civilization Five because I don't have time throughout the year to to play such a time-consuming game. So it's a little treat I give myself at the end of a, a busy year or the beginning of one as it, as it transpires right now. May May I make a recommendation if I may be so bold? Is it Civilization Six? No, it's not. It's Anno eighteen hundred. I don't like it. All right. Um, so that's a strategy game as well. It's a real-time strategy game, so it's not sort of move per move as the Civ angle is, but you manage a town and a, an empire, really, through its supply chains. So you have to make sure that you've got cows so you can get beef. Then you need to make sure you've got steel so you can make a cannon industry. I'm not selling it very well mm-hmm. here. Bear with me. And then you have to combine... Well, that's exactly what I'm doing in Civilization Five. So, yeah, that is where my mind is at. Uh, and that's that game has really been fighting your game for ownership of the <laughs> most played game this year. Uh, I know um, I play it on PS5, but I'm sure if you've got PC, and no doubt you have, you easy get access to it. It's a very simple game, but it's one that allows you to indulge your sort of artistic ideas in the layout of the town. It allows you to sort of world domination ideas through the medium of your navy. Uh, and also when you get so far in the game, you discover almost like a Caribbean or a new world. Within there are ingredients you need to develop the next level of citizen in your world. So then you have to have the supply chains bringing things from there. The listeners are like, not Anno again, George, please. But (laughs) you then bring those there and consolidate those to create things like rubber for um, penny farthings, and the list goes on. And it's, it's certainly a very deep strategy game that I think that, maybe is worth a little look. Yeah, I'm, de- I'm definitely into those on PC. On the handhelds, I play more action games, but on my, on my PC, I play a lot of strategy games. So, yeah, I'm willing to give it a try. It's the perfect place, I think. Anno with a mouse, I think, would actually um, be quite an enjoyable experience. I'll play it with a controller, but with a mouse, I think it would be next level. Um, well, that's that's nice to know, and, and thank you for sharing that with us. I must say thank you once again. I probably the person that thanks people a million times but i just want to say thank you so much i hope you have the very best day as an anniversary uh and yeah. you get lucky with wrestling empire uh today <laughs> and and going forward um i hope that the game continues to gain the traction that it deserves i hope there's going to be some critical reappraises of the game and we all change our let's just say let's all change our vocabulary a little bit better to better understand and represent the product that you're doing uh, i've had to adjust my own vac- vocabulary to say that it's mm-hmm. it, it's this open palette allows that allows us to do literally whatever you could possibly imagine and um, with that comes botched moves which is all <laughs> it's all part mm-hmm. of it um that adds yeah. the realism element and if anyone's sitting on the fence they need to get off of it uh immediately get some splinters in their backside and get this downloaded on their switch and get playing it it's not just the best wrestling game on Switch. I'm going to go out there and say it's the best wrestling game ever. And with these updates, keep coming. To be honest with you, I've gone back and played No Mercy, you know, relatively recently. And although it's nicely nostalgic, I said to you before at the start of the show that, you know, you play Mario 64, it's hard to cut down the line between nostalgia and game modern and the gameplay mechanics. Wrestling yeah. Empire does that and it opens up the gamut so much more. It allows so much freedom. You want to wrestle in the crowd? Fine. You want to wrestle up the stage? Fine. You want to go backstage? Fine. You want to wrestle in... Oh, one thing. I don't know if this is possible. Do you remember in the mid-90s mm-hmm. when the wrestlers used to 
It was on a Monday Night Raw where things might get a bit dangerous, but maybe not too dangerous, just around pre-Stone Cold era coming out as 316 and around that era. If the wrestlers wanted to show that they were badass, a typical American wrestler heel move was to pull up the um, ring mats so they then could then do a move onto concrete. Right. Um, the the closest thing I did to that was the canvas. Have you seen the new canvas? There's a wood, exposed wood and an exposed metal canvas. So that's have, the closest thing I did to that. Yeah. That's that's like a, the first time that was there. Um, and I, I've never seen it happen to me, but I do believe I was reading, and I don't know whether this is one of those moments where like you told lies to your brother or not, but I'm sure I was reading <laughs> that um, wrestlers can come up through the ring yeah, floor it's possible yeah. <sighs> it's possible now, now i think yeah it's, it's very rare i don't want to shit on the um zombie game i'm making because that will make a big deal about zombies coming through the floor and through the walls but it's there's a preview of it in in wrestling i think yeah it would be nice if you could attach it only to maybe a couple of wrestlers uh yeah bray wyatt Whatever you call Undertaker, it, it, it is. I can tell you, it's 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 linked. It's indirectly linked to the dark entry lights. Those characters are more likely to enter in the dark and enter under the ground. So, I'll look at tweaking that to make it more obvious. Okay, and then I mean, these the list of demands. I would love a buried alive match uh, or something similar. Now you've got the big stage. I don't know whether that's possible. Basically, anything that happened in nineties Attitude Era. It has a match called Buried Alive, but the rules are that it's a tables match where you smash them through a coffin. So yes. there's coffins, there's the, there's the rigmarole of getting smashed through it, and that is uh, the closest thing the game has to a Buried Alive match. Well, it's, it's all a compromise. You can't have everything. It's a, you go halfway, you meet people halfway, it's roundabout possible. Well, mu- you can do for much like your childhood self turning wood, plasticine, and green paint and some reviews for lemmings into a game, we all must apply some level of our imagination to this. Yes. And if my compromise is slamming through someone through a, a casket that I've hastily arranged yes. on the ring floor, I'm down for it, Matt. I'm down for it. Um, <laughs> is there anything else that you want to impart before we go? Um, is there anything that you want to share or tell people out there? Well, I just want to thank all the other people such as yourself who have given the game a chance because independent independent games wouldn't be anything without independent minds to give them a chance. And uh, I am grateful because it's rare. You know, we've seen every single voice has been raised up against me to say, don't play this game. So the voices that do say you should play this game and the people that are brave enough to try it and the people that are brave enough to leave a positive review and put themselves in the firing line I, I, I'm eternally grateful to those individuals and uh, they're the bricks that built the empire. Wow. Well, I'm glad to consider myself part of your NWO clique, um, if you'll have Thank me. You. And um, yes. I, I, and um, I'm my life has truly been blessed by the arrival of the game, so thank you for that. And um, I guess that's all we have time for this week, listeners. As always, thank you for your time. We look forward to the pleasure of speaking to you again next week. Until then, happy gaming. And remember, there's nothing wrong with being given the unofficial controller. It's what you do with it that counts. Thanks, Matt. Thank you.